You are listening to the Evolution Exchange podcast Nordics, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordic region. I'm Chris Bennett, and I help connect businesses with tech freelancers, and I'm your host. Uh, so my name is Chris Bennett. I'm the Nordics Divisional Director, Evolution Recruitment Solutions. Um, for those who don't me, I was an aspiring glaciologist term recruiter. And my current role is to help a team of 10 brokers help the Nordic tech community scale their projects with high quality freelancers. Um, my passion, uh, I suppose my personal passion is to help is leading the Evolution Nordics team to be the most known for improving the recruitment experience within the tech industry. So as you can tell, I'm in a busy sales floor, if you can hear that in the background. So I'll leave it to um, the rest of the panel, the specialist, um, to introduce themselves. So let's go for James first. Can you introduce yourself, please? Yeah, absolutely. I'm James Mackay, uh, originally from England, been living in Sweden for 21 years. And I'm been freelance tech writer for the last four years. I'm currently working at King in the developer, what would you say, developer experience, developer information section. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Big football fan. That's about it. That's my life. We won't go into football teams today. We've not got the time and we've not got a pint with us, so can't do it. Um, okay, thank you for that, James. Uh, Oscar? Yeah, uh, my name is Oscar Carlson. Uh, I'm 20 years, uh, years old. I uh, live in Stockholm, Sweden. Um, I have a background as a consultant, um, and I've also been uh, a bit in the, in the startup industry um, as a software developer slash uh, CTO, and I've been working as a freelancer now for uh, almost two years. Uh, and I'm currently working at uh, Telia uh, as uh, IAM uh, developer and uh, tech lead. Thank you, Oscar. Uh, Simon? Sure. So, hey, I'm Simon Lys. I'm originally from Germany, but I've been living in Sweden for about five years now. Um, I'm a data scientist. I worked for Klarna before, mostly building credit models and machine learning pipelines in AWS. And a few months ago, I decided to start freelancing, and now I'm working with Flowbox, building their analytics platform. And yeah, has been fun so far. Thank you, Simon. And finally, Carl. Yes, I'm Carl Eriksson. I'm a software engineer. Currently at an assignment at um, TV4. Um, been freelancing for nine months now, so quite fresh in the game still. Um, Working mainly with building uh, backend services using Node.js and AWS. And uh, I have background mostly in telecom, been at both Telia and Telenor before. Um, but I had some short um, side adventures, side quests, you could say, uh, with a few startups as well. Perfect. Perfect. Some lovely introductions there. Um, so, the reason, obviously, we're meeting today is to speak about freelancing in Sweden and to get some insight into the panel of why they chose to do it and some of the stuff around it that people might be wondering. Um, so, like I said, let's get straight into some of the questions we've prepared. 
Um, so let's go around the table in the same order that we've just gone through. Um, starting with you, James, uh, what was the reasons you moved to freelancing? You're on mute. And that was yeah, it. Thank yeah. you. No, Oscar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad I was the first person to do that. Um, yeah, well, I've been a, a consultant at a consulting company for a few years, a couple of different ones, and I just sort of figured I could do it myself. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's quite nice working at a consulting company because you have sort of colleagues. But then I'd, I'd been tech writing for quite a while, so I felt like I, I knew enough. So I could go go my own way. Mm. Okay. okay, Oscar. Um, yeah, I was kind of uh, at a almost like a crossroads when I uh, quit my my last job, and I used to do a bit of consulting as well, but for like a, um, a large consultant company, and I didn't really want to get uh, get back to that. So I started looking into uh, more freelancing and I kind of ended up with a decision that I, uh, I was basically going to try to do it myself. Yeah, it's uh, panned out pretty well so far. So, yeah. Simon? Yes. So uh, for me, it was mostly about the flexibility and the freedom of defining my own career path. Really like to work on different projects, really like to learn new stuff. And that can be quite difficult in a big corporation. You have your set career path and you can't just say, yeah, now I go a few months and do some engineering work and then I do machine learning again. Or so that's quite tough. But if you're a freelancer, you can pick your projects and yeah, you can decide based on your learning plan and your goals what to work on. Perfect. Sorry, that's my manager shaking me while I'm on a live on the webinar map. Um, okay, and, and then finally, Carl. Yes, I really agree with someone there. I, I really value the flexibility of uh, freelancing. Um, I mean, when you're a permanent employee, it almost feels like a like a betrayal when you leave the company. Um, but when you're freelancing, you sort of expect to be there maybe for a year or, year or so at a time. And I think that's a really good uh, good length of time to to uh, really get deep into something, build something cool. Um, then you can move on to new challenges if you want to. Um, and you also don't have to deal with the, the company politics that usually are there with larger companies. Um, I remember, uh, especially at my first job, there was uh, lots of internal discussions ongoing. Uh, and sometimes you just want to dig your head down into the code and, uh, and do what you're, you're best at, basically. Um, yeah, and it also feels like... Uh, many of the companies that hire freelancers, they are really in this growth phase usually uh, and moving fast. And that's a lot of fun as well, I think. Perfect. Um, okay, let's have a look at this. One, one of the questions that I had to the panel, um, is can, you, can you start freelancing too early in your career? Quite often as a broker, we'll get asked for people with minimum five years experience and then end up placing someone with free for example. Um, I just want to get your thoughts and I'll open it to the, the whole panel, really. I don't really think there's uh, there's never like a limit. It basically just comes down to can you get an assignment? 
So that comes down to like, is your CV good enough? Because you're basically competing with every other consultancy or and freelancer in the market. So um, if you can like come out uh, like come out on top of them, then there's not really an issue. Then it's never too too early to to start freelancing. But you need to kind of have that um, that CV where you can actually end up with uh, with assignments. Yeah, I fully agree. I think there is no set time where you can start or cannot start. But of course, if you are too early and you didn't work at all before, like you just graduated or something, I think it's very hard to get good assignments. And then you also don't really learn the things you should learn and then getting harder on the next assignment again. So I would say if you're just a graduate, maybe get some entry-level role and really learn the business first and then start freelancing. But I mean, if you have experience before, then just go for it. Yeah, I think there's, yeah, there's I a certain expectation that, that you're bringing something to the table and having had maybe worked at a couple of different places first. I mean, I'm, I'm by far the oldest of the group and I was <clears throat> quite old when I started freelancing. So uh, I'm probably not the best to answer it, but I think a certain amount of experience is definitely needed. I guess you need to manage expectations with the the clients as well. They usually the the average client would probably expect someone, some a freelancer to to go in and uh, perform from the start, maybe. Um, but uh, from my experience, I was at Telenor, for example, and they they actually brought in uh, more junior freelancers, and they expected them to have more of a um, starting stretch sort of. Um, but most most were up to speed in a few months, and then they got their bang for the buck, I guess. Um, so as long as you manage expectations with the client. Um, um, I guess it's like um, it's hard, maybe like when you start just come out of like university or when you've been studying, like you don't really have uh, an experience like in the market how how it kind of behaves and. Uh, how like you know, how people um, like deal with consultants and how you actually get uh, assignments and stuff like that. So it might be easier if you've been a couple of years in the industry. Um, but straight out of school, I think it would be have been hard for me at least. Uh, and I waited, I think it's about four years before I went into freelancing. So I, at least for me, it would be, would have been harder um, to start off earlier. Brilliant. What um, what do you think um, the challenges of being a freelancer are? And I suppose to follow up, um, how have you cope with those challenges? And again, just ask it to the, the table because I'm, I'm sure there's plenty. I think it's uh, a bit of different challenges. Um, one, like one is, I think everyone mentioned here in the panel, but uh, like it comes down to getting your assignments. That's probably the the, uh, the biggest um, um, like issue you're going to have. But as long as you solve that, there's not really that uh, much more issues. But you need to uh, get the inflow of cash like into your own company. And you don't really have a, a, a company to fall, fall back on uh, like you usually do when you are working for a consultancy. Um, so does does that get easier after that first assignment? You know, the, like the first one you get. 
Uh, I think the worst part for um, is when you go from kind of having a full-time employment when going over to being um, uh, a freelancer because uh, oftentimes you have like a three-month notice period and no one is going to hire a, a consultant on uh, like one uh, or, or three months um, uh, like before. Um, so that's kind of when you need to do a jump and uh, actually quit your job and then wait two months before you can actually get the assignment. I think that was the, the worst part for me, but um, uh, basically I just put up a, a post on LinkedIn and I had uh, an offer three days later. So, um, but it depends really on the, on the market as well. Uh, and now everyone's hiring developers, so then it's not as big of a challenge. I was going to say that's a bit of a champagne problem then, rather than a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You didn't make it sound too difficult, I'll be honest. No. I'm sure that's because of your profile. Um, what about you, Simon? Yeah, I think there aren't really any big challenges when you start off. They're really just in your head, I would say. So I think you just need to be the right kind of personality and be able to deal with the uncertainty and also be someone that can motivate yourself because it's easy if you're employed. They tell you what to do and when to do it. But I mean, as a freelancer, you need to have good time management. You need to be motivated and you need to put in the hours. But if you can do that and if you have a good profile, then I wouldn't say there are any challenges to get started. The only thing I would recommend there is to have some safety buffer, like save some money up front if you can't get a good follow-up assignment or something. And then you can deal with the uncertainty and just see where it goes. So safety buffer and a short LinkedIn post up to now. like it. <laughs> uh, James, what about your thoughts? Uh, I mean, as the only tech writer in the group, I, I'd, one of the one of the big things for me is that qu companies sometimes don't really know. They they feel like they need a tech writer, and they've been told they need a tech writer, but they don't necessarily know what you do. And it's very it's very important to get clarity as to what the expectations are on a project when you go into it, because sometimes if people because they're paying for you as a consultant, there's an expectation that you'll come in and, and work magic. And it's very important to find out what you're you're letting yourself in for. And as a tech writer, you're quite often coming in as the only tech writer and probably the first tech writer at the company. And it can be a, a whole world of pain, but it's, it's also fun. It's a challenge. But I agree with Simon about the, the buffer. I think having having a bit of financial stability before you start. So you, because the, the problem is you'll, you, you'll maybe make bad decisions based on having to take a, a, a contract. Uh, it's much better to be in a, in a place where you want to be rather than have to be. Carl. Yeah, I really agree on, on the buffer there. And I was also thinking of um, if you, if you're lucky at a, at a large company and you're an employee, uh, you, Maybe have a good manager uh, who helps you um, like set your career path and, and coaches you along uh, your career. And as a freelancer, uh, you don't really have that. So you really have to, to think for yourself uh, and be independent in uh, how you want to, to move your career and uh, how you think about like what skills you really want to dig deeper into and what skills you might want to move away from or um and so on i think that's one thing that you're missing out on as a freelancer 
I'm just looking in the questions section, and we've got a few questions, uh, which is great. Um, I'm looking at Saw so, so Rab, hopefully I'm saying that, that correctly, uh, but situations like COVID uh, impact people working as consultants. I suppose the question is kind of what it, what has it been like working as a freelancer in everyone's in Stockholm um, during COVID um, to the floor? At least well, for, I, for I me. Actually got I go ahead, Carl. Can I go? Yeah. Um, so I got actually got my assignment during COVID, and uh, I have never met my team. I have never met uh, the manager who hired me. Uh, so that has been uh, quite unique. Um, and I really not had much issues. Um, but at my current assignment, the team was really used to working remotely. So it was really easy to get into the team, even though everyone was remote. Um, everyone was uh, is available on Slack all the time, basically. So for me, it has not really been an issue. But I can imagine that uh, people who are even more used to working in the office and they are a really tight-knit team from the start, um, then it's probably a, a bigger challenge and you need to probably spend more energy on really trying to you know, break into the group and uh, get to know everyone. But uh, I've only had uh, good experiences, actually. Anyone else? I think um, basically Corona didn't hit very hard, at least not in, in our industry, like in, in within IT, because um, everyone is sitting at home and usage of IT is probably going up. So there's not literally an industry where, where um, you know, you removed all the consultants. Um, but if I'm, like, I got my, or I switched to, to freelancing just a couple of months before Corona hit. And what I have known uh, right then um, that we were going to get Corona would probably not have switched just because, um, you know, the uncertainty really. Um, but yeah, everything has worked out fine. So, James? Yeah, I'm, I, I'm in the same position as Carl. I, I started my current assignment in June. So I'm actually meeting uh, my some of my teammates tomorrow for the first time and it is it is a bit weird it's it's hard to sort of join a team that, that where they know each other from before and have, have all met obviously to suddenly um find yourself joining them remotely but um it's worked well it i i i think as an industry we, we're quite used to we've always had remote workers as an aspect if not like on a daily basis certainly from time to time so it's nothing new to us. Simon? Yeah, same for me, pretty much. So, I mean, I started freelancing during COVID now, and I tried to find assignments last year, mid uh, 2020. And back then, you could really feel that COVID hit the market. There wasn't anything good out there, but then I started now this year, and now everything is back to normal. So I think it's quite easy to find an assignment now. And then, of course, you have the challenges uh, joining a team remote and never meeting your colleagues like Carl said before. But I mean, that's the same for everyone, no matter if you're freelancing or permanent. Yes, I suppose from the broker's perspective, to just jump in here, when the pandemic hit uh, us, we had about 62 freelancers in Stockholm at the time and we lost three. Yeah, to put some context behind that. And that was two with a construction client 
and one with um, a hotel, well, a hotel chain. Um, mm. So we didn't lose anyone, but there definitely was about two, three months where it was quiet, very quiet. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I suppose I thought I'd chip in with my perspective there. Let's just have a look at some of the other questions. Um, Mohammed asking here, how do you find freelance jobs? Yeah, feel free to plug me. Yeah, Chris. <laughs> Good to know, Chris. Uh, LinkedIn has definitely been where I've had most contact with new new places. I, I, I tend to get approached by on LinkedIn and uh, yeah, and by Chris, obviously. Yeah, there's really a, a whole industry of, uh, of brokers um, that's working most like exclusively with, with freelancers. So um, uh, if you want to get started and get into freelancing, it's a good idea to get into to LinkedIn and start uh, connecting with uh, um, yeah, recruiters and, and brokers and just be allowed to network. Um, and then you probably just make a post uh, that you're available mm. and you can get assignments through that. Simon and Carl, I suppose, um, is there any other routes that you use apart from LinkedIn and uh, some relationships with brokers? Is there anything else? I mean, I had some thrown out some hooks for uh, like to uh, colleagues at former assignments and uh, employments and gotten some response from there. But obviously the uh, viral effect that LinkedIn has is really hard to beat, uh, especially if you're looking for some particular uh, tech stack, for example. So, uh, yeah, LinkedIn is definitely number one, but uh, never hurts to check with uh, former colleagues, mm. I would say. Yeah, definitely. Nothing much to add. Just go on LinkedIn, hold your profile there, and then you will find assignments. Um, okay. Uh, let's have a look. So uh, Engin um, has asked a question similar to what we were going to discuss, actually, so it fitting in nicely. How complicated is it to build your individual company in terms of governmental paperwork and maintenance? Yeah, so hopefully we don't lose too many people at this point. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I suppose, yeah. What are your thoughts around this, James? Uh, I, I think in Sweden, it's. I think it's pretty easy. Um, I definitely would recommend having an AB rather than a, um, a sole trader, an Enfield firma, just because of the... I mean, there's, there's lots of reasons, but one of the main ones is, is, is being able to pay yourself a lower salary um, and sort of managing your, your finance of the company easier through that. And there's, there's probably legal aspects about, I mean, we ha have, uh, you have to have, um, I don't know what the English word is, answers for sharing, like what's that insurance against... If you go with insurance, yeah, yeah. So you have to have that. But I, I, as as most people I know, think that the AB is is the best route. I don't know if the others agree. No, yeah, I agree. AB is really the way to go. And I mean, I started my company this year, right? And I'm not from Sweden. I don't speak Swedish, so I was quite worried how difficult it would be. But it turns out to be really, really simple. If you have bank ID, you can just fill out everything online. They directly check if your uh, answers make sense or if you did something wrong there. 
So it's really just one hour on your computer, you fill it out, you sign it with bank ID, and then you have your AB a few weeks later. The only thing I would add there is if you don't speak Swedish and you do it the first time, maybe get a good accountant, just someone you can ask some stupid questions and someone who makes sure that you pay your taxes and then you're good to go. Yeah, I think you, you can all, um, you can um, buy like existing companies as well. There's uh, companies in Sweden that um, uh, has this as a business where you can um, um, uh, purchase a, yeah, the existing AB and they will just sign it over to you and you only need to answer a couple of questions and then you're set up with, uh, with AB. It costs a, a couple of thousand, but um, that might be even easier if you don't want to go through the normal Bullock's rate kit. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, what I, that's what I used as well. But uh, I'm actually not sure if I saved any time on it because uh, no. like the registration process itself, that was really quick. But uh, actually, the, the thing that took most time was getting the bank account up and running. That, that, was, oh, more, yeah. that was more paperwork and uh, actually non-digital stuff than uh, getting your company registered. Um, that's my experience anyways. Um, by the way, for people watching, um, there are some polls available, so it'd be really good if you could jump in there and have a look at some of those. Um, Mark um, has got a question similar to what we've just been talking about. Um, is after setting up the company, uh, it kind of feels like the Swedish system taxes are really high from the beginning. Um, have we got any thoughts around these topics? Uh, yes, so I was a bit worried about that as well, but you can get a, a tax break for the first three months. I think you can only get that if you register a new company, not when you buy an existing one. But if you register a new one, you can just tell the tax office that you don't want to pay tax the first three months. And then you have some break there. And afterwards, of course, it depends on your estimated income for the year. So if you don't have any contract yet, you can just set that low and then you don't pay much taxes in the start. Yeah. I would uh, also suggest, um, like I, I hired um, uh, a company to do all my, like all the finances for, for my company. I pay, I think it's around 3K a month. And that's not very much um, uh, when you're working uh, as a freelancer with your own company. And I spend almost uh, no time at all in maybe like in in the month i spend like half half an hour um, and they do basically everything for you so um that's really worked out great for me i i don't uh, really do any more admin work than i used to when i was a full-time employee yeah i agree on getting financial help just i mean unless you're really really into that i think it's not worth it's far it's just nice peace of mind knowing that you've, you've paid all your taxes and you're not suddenly going to get stung plus we i mean we got um advice about how much to take out uh, as pay and, and that sort of thing there's for me it was a no-brainer like because I, I know nothing about the, the tax laws here so yeah, and they kind of—I think they optimized everything for me, so I'm probably made money from from hiring them. Uh, so I would really suggest them doing that because, yeah, if it, if you're not uh, a big fan of doing your taxes and filling out forms, um, yeah, it's not fun. Just looking at the questions, quite a good one from Hasib actually. Um, he's got a three-month rolling contract. 
Yeah, um, and he's asking when should he start the interview processes um, for a new client, I imagine. Yeah, he's saying, is it generally one month before? Um, yeah, has, has anyone got any advice on if you come into the end of your contract, especially those three-month contracts, which are sometimes challenging, when do you start interviewing? How do you generally approach it? We'll go for Carl first. Um, my experience is that when someone announces that they need a freelancer, they usually need one straight away. Um, so uh, my suggestion would be to, if you, if you don't have a notes period, you just start uh, straight away. Um, if you do have a notes period, you might want to plan ahead um, and maybe uh, end your employment and uh, wait until it's closing in on, on your last day and uh, and then start looking. But of course, it never hurts to, to be early, um, but uh, chances might be that they're not looking to, to take someone in like three months uh, in the future. Mm. Well, what about you, uh, James? Um, I, I normally, if, if I'm on a, a, a sort of shorter contract, but there's a, a probability that it's going to roll over, I, I normally take it up about two months before and say, you know, what, how are you thinking? Is this going to be extended? And um, But I think most contracts normally have about a month's notice. So uh, for me, I think contacting people and, and being out there to answer the, the previous question is... Uh, I think a month is is fine. Yeah, some sometimes they want someone immediately, but I think if you if you said you've got a month's notice, I don't think that's necessarily a barrier. Okay, we have got loads of questions coming in. Yeah, um, so I'm conscious that we might not be able to get through them all, but we will try our best, um, and we will put something together as well uh, to make sure we we do answer all these questions because there's definitely some um, some questions that I could answer and help people with. Um, interesting one that just coming from Max. Um, how does freelancing compare to consulting for an agency? He's saying the agency takes a slice of the profits and in turn provides stability and help you find gigs. Um, yeah, and he's asking, is freelancing generally a better deal if you have the risk tolerance? Great phrase. What are people's thoughts for, for Max? Well, I think it really comes back to the risk tolerance. So, I mean, the slice that the agency takes is really, really big compared to what you make as a freelancer, even if you have some breaks between your assignments. So, I mean, if you can live with the risk and you don't need the stability, then freelancing is definitely better. I think from a financial standpoint, freelancing is... Um always going to be better if you um, can find assignments. Uh, you could probably get around with having and being assigned like six to, to seven months a year and still pay a, a salary that you would get from a consultancy. Um, so as long as you yeah, can um, uh, have work, then um, it's always going to be better financially to, to freelance. Um, but you don't kind of get the support from the, from the company. Like you don't have any company trips uh, from your own AB and you don't have uh, any education days and you don't have any afterworks and stuff like that. Um, but from, from my experience working for consultancies, they, uh, they mostly want to have you out on assignments 100% um, anyway. So 
uh, it's kind of the same. You're, you're working at the at the client, um, but you're doing it for yourself instead of uh, or for someone else. And of course, yeah, you all really have all the benefits we talked about before, right? You have the flexibility. You can define your own career path. You can find assignments you really want to work on, not only the ones that make the most sense for the agency, but a lot more benefits to freelancing in that sense as well. Carl, you were about to say something. Yeah, I mean, I really agree with what everyone is saying. It feels like um, um, one of the the bigger things that the smaller agencies are really putting some effort into is um, like creating a sense of team spirit with afterworks and maybe even trips with the entire company. So that could be something. Uh, for me, it um, the, the other advantages really outweigh that. I might, might as well book my own trip for my company. Um, but uh, that's something I noticed uh, some some agencies are really pushing for when when they want to hire you. Okay, I've got loads of questions. Sobby, a recent freelancer of ours actually, um, has asked, how do you get recruiters slash managers to stop asking you to become a permanent employee, apart from probably a very direct uh, response? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's ever going to go away. That's, that's kind of one of the, one of the features, if you like. I suppose it's a good sign by default. Uh, definitely yeah. if managers are asking you to become a permanent employee. We, we get it a lot and I would always advise managers sometimes they not do it because it does sometimes put people off um especially if they're quite forceful with it but um i don't know has, has anyone got any recent experience with it or how do they do it do you, do you say it politely oh i'll think about it i've seen that done before when they don't actually mean it or how, how do you deal with it I usually just try to be honest and like explain why I'm a freelancer, uh, like about the advantages that we have talked about today, maybe, and yeah, my my way of thinking basically, so that yeah, I mean, it, I guess it can be good for them to know um, my sort of goals and uh, how I like to work, basically. Uh, so try to be just try to be open. Uh, don't really. Uh, just make up something to, uh, yeah. to explain why you want to freelance. But how do you stop recruiters <laughs> approaching you to go to permanent? I don't do permanent recruitment, so I've never seen. Um, but I imagine there's quite a lot of, a lot out there. What do you do? Have you got any tips? Is there any way of stopping us? I mean, I, <laughs> I have seen people with the, the LinkedIn bio and at the top it's just capital letters. I'm not looking for a permit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> agency only. Yeah, yeah, I haven't tried that myself. <laughs> but uh, if someone has tried that, it's share. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. James, have you got any advice? No, I, I just, I, I always, I mean, I think the network a network is pretty good i normally politely say thank you for thinking of me but i'm not interested but you feel free to add me to you know because you never know they could go on to another company and and want help from a freelancer instead and and they're uh, again being a tech writer there's one of the advantages of being a tech writer is there isn't many tech writers around and 
people tend to remember you. I mean, Chris, we 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 were in contact long before I started yeah. working for you, and I'm probably the only one, or one of the only ones, you know. And, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and people remember yeah, you. And yeah. Go, oh, yeah, he was. So it, I think it's good. It's good to have people in your network who work in the industry, regardless. I mean, yeah. sometimes it's from other countries, and you think I'm never going to have any, you know, contact with you. So I won't do that. But if if they're Stockholm based, then I always think it's it's good to know people. I suppose from a recruitment perspective, I think if I was a permanent recruiter, I don't think you'd ever feel bad on someone just not replying. It's when there's a, a, like a, a really aggressive reply that you would remember. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's a difficult one, isn't it? You're all so high in demand. <laughs> um, okay, let's have a look. So um, how do you... Um, oh, there was a question that actually came in on... Um, I think it was on... Uh, let's find it. I saw it before on... Here we go. Yeah, um, it was from Sanjeev. Um, do you feel that you're only getting projects based on your current skills um, rather than kind of losing out on the opportunity or perceived opinion of losing out on the opportunity to learn different skills yeah just to all the panel really yeah what are your experiences around that have you still got the opportunities are you do you miss those i mean or is it just i would say it's actually the opposite it's easier when you're a freelancer all comes back to how much work you want to put in of course but I mean, if you want to learn a new technology or something, you can learn it up front. You can do some side project, write a blog, something like that. And then you can get a good assignment where you can learn something. While if you're a permanent employee, you're hired for a specific position, and then it can be quite hard to move from that, especially if it's a very different skill set. Yeah, can be a good idea to kind of get it on to because um, when you're getting assignments, you're going to send a CV to, to the client. So you can kind of adapt your CV before you send it and try to make it fit into that position you want to get into. So, for example, if you want to work with a certain technology, you can add some stuff like some free time project where you used that specific technology or if you're taking some, um, I don't know, a certificate or something. Um, um, to kind of yeah make you high in demand for for that role. Okay. Um, Engin asks, can we initiate to build a company um, while you're working as employee, so to get ready to work as a, a contractor? I believe that's yeah, you can do that, can't you? Yeah, as 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 long as you don't go and as long as you're not trying to poach. You know, if you're if you're working as say a, a, for a consulting company, you obviously don't start making inroads on their client base. But you're you're fully entitled to have a, a, a side company. There's absolutely, and and I would I would recommend doing all of the paperwork and get everything up and running before. Um, I think if you're going to start, or if you know you want to do freelancing, uh, sometime down the road. Uh, you should probably start um, uh, or start up your your AB uh, as soon as possible. There's some um, some good um, tax benefits you can get um, if you have um, your company 
and um, if you don't have any income in the company for a couple of years um, and so I actually set up mine almost three years before I started freelancing and that uh, gave some really good tax benefits when I started getting uh, revenue into the company um, so yeah if you want to do it then you should start your AB yeah makes a lot of sense the only thing I would add is if you already know you want to do freelancing and maybe you look for permanent position in the meantime, be very careful with your contract there because some of the consultant agencies here in Stockholm have very strict contracts and might be very hard to find some uh, freelancing assignment afterwards that doesn't break your old contract. Um, it's an interesting question here. Um, what and this is Engin. Um, kind of what's the what's the common invoicing situation? I, I can obviously speak on behalf of Evolution, but I mean generally in the market, um, invoicing. How 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 have you experienced it? What have been the challenges? What are your expectations? Do you mean like the conditions? How long? I think I think Engin is thinking like when do you get paid for your work? When should you expect to get paid for it? Because obviously, with a salary, you just get paid at the end of the first month you're working. I think. Um, so, is it any different? Um, just talk us through your experiences, whether that be good or. Bad. I mean, normally you 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 work a month, invoice at the end of the month, and it's normally thirty possibly 35 days it's, sometimes they stipulate that they they have to if you're going through a broker they have to receive the money from the customer first uh, evolution don't do that uh, one uh, but yeah i mean it's really it's 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 it tends to be around 30 days so you, you're talking a two month wait from when you start in my experience i don't know if the rest of you are the same yeah, same for me. So um, yeah. if you might want to have a buffer there as well, if uh, if um, yeah, the payment terms are like that. But uh, I haven't really had any issues. I have heard about some stories people not getting paid for uh, three mm. months, maybe, um, but nothing worse mm. than that. Mm. Um, but you should at least expect one month before before pay. Yeah, um, that's that's the. One, sorry, Oscar. Uh, it's just going to be a, a problem uh, originally when you start up your company. Then you're going to have a, a buffer within the company, so then it doesn't really matter. Um, so yeah, most of the problems or challenges we stated are mostly when you start up your or start freelancing, and then um, yeah, you kind of get rid of all the most of the financial challenges. Do do do. Um some questions there that i can answer after um that i can answer to ahmed and ankits um one of i suppose coming to the end now but i suppose one, one of the questions i had is that uh, working as a freelancer how do you embed yourself into a team of maybe um I don't know what what's your experience. Is it any different when you're going into a team as a permanent employee as opposed to a, a freelancer? Yeah, um, and let's, let's go let's go around uh, around the panel on this. Well, I think for me, it's it's not not 
been any different at all. Uh, there are some companies that, that make a, a very distinct difference between employees and, and consultants, but I, I, would, I would say that's becoming less and less the case. Uh, it used to be. I mean, it used to be so that, I mean, when I, I was back in the in the noughties, it was uh, I was a consult. I was working for a consulting company, and you know, if you'd have to get your consulting company to pay if you wanted to go to like the Christmas party and things like that. But that's not the experience I have now. Uh, work. I mean, in Stockholm Tech, they treat you like a, an employee essentially. Mm. I had the, the same experience. I had uh, one assignment when I used to work as a consultant with um, basically the same situation that you, you described, James. Um, we, you know, with the Christmas party and when you have everything that they don't uh, pay for consultants, but it seems like a trend is um, going more towards treating all your, or everyone working there uh, the same, really. Uh, you might not be able to go on, on like expensive trips and stuff uh, with that company, but... Um, uh, yeah, it's ba basically the same as working for a uh, consultancy. Might be some differences when it uh, comes to being a full-time employee. Simon? Yeah, same experience for me. So mm -hmm. I would say all the good tech companies here in Stockholm don't make any difference between permanent and consultant. So it's pretty much the same. Carl? Yeah, I really agree. Not... Uh... Not much to add, really. And mostly, mostly good experiences. Usually, feel like any other employee. Uh, one question. Sobis just jumped in there. Have you tried to find fully remote contracts? If so, how easy or hard has it been? Um, is anyone working on site at the moment? I was thinking this. <laughs> no. Oscar. No, I think I've been. Uh, Maybe to the office one or two times uh, in one and a half year, and that's quite a lot. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're breaking records there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I think uh, again, speaking in the broker, um, it's very rare that we get um, we get some, I suppose, over the last couple of months that we're trying to get people into the office, um, but generally uh, that. Um, they're probably thinking post-pandemic, you know, fully remote forever kind of thing. And mm. I didn't have, I've never had that either. I mean, before before the pandemic, then I would say you, you, you could work at home, but it was the same as the sort of a normal standard way of the Swedish way, you probably a day here or there from home and most of it was in the office. Mm. I don't yes. know. If we'll just have to see whether we return to that after. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, over the last eighteen months, we've had um, we've been placing people from around Europe with Swedish customers or Stockholm customers, and um, they'd be shocked if we got we got an email saying, "By the way, you need to relocate." <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. yeah, that'd be a crazy day in the office. I'll be I'll be honest with you. Um, I guess it's going to be more like that now. And after pandemic, is that everyone like transitioned to being able to work remotely? So it's kind of set up for it now, and um, and there's really such a high demand on the market for for developers. Um, so oftentimes you can't find uh, developers working on site. 
so it's uh, yeah it's a better opportunity if you want to go for remote as well mm, some very expensive empty offices yeah. <laughs> that have recently been opened um yeah um let's have a look if we've not covered anything um i suppose um we're probably coming to the end of it now so um is there finally any obviously we've had a, a fantastic turnout here so is, is there any kind of final tips that we've not mentioned um that you'd like to um say to people listening don't be afraid to do it really it's uh, it's very rewarding and i mean it is it is a little bit scary at first because you you think you, but then you sort of realize it's it's actually fairly straightforward yeah i think it's um, people think it's really hard because it sounds kind of scary with all the like taxes and paperwork and managing your company but it's actually really um, uh, rather easy and um, you can get a lot of help with it as, as well. And um, you learn about, uh, like a lot about uh, um, managing a company as well. So uh, I think it's a lot of upsides. Al? Yeah, I definitely, definitely agree with, uh, with what you said there. Um... I think one one tip could be like make sure that you know and you think about like what what is my core skills um, and what do I really wanna get into uh, when I do freelancing and make sure that you have a resume and a LinkedIn profile that uh, shows your skills and then yeah just register your company and go out there find something and get those like capitals not permanent on <laughs> LinkedIn yeah. aggressive as well like an angry angry emoji or something anything else finally from you Simon I think we covered pretty much everything so I mm -hmm. can just reiterate what we said already so work with a good recruiter to get your first assignment have some financial buffer if it doesn't work out so well get an accountant to help you with uh, the taxes and yeah, also think about what you want to do and what clients you want to work with and then find your good first assignment. Perfect. Um, obviously, if we've not gone uh, through some people's questions, I have put my email in there for people to reach out. Um, I'll ask the panel uh, after this um, if we can share their LinkedIn URLs, um, if you want to connect with them, um, but I'll ask them after rather than tell you now. Um, and likewise, we will be, um, if there's any questions, there's some questions in there on rates and stuff like that. And um, this is what I suppose we're here for as well. Um, so I'm just looking to see if anyone's typing. Um, yeah, there's a lot of people saying some nice, nice things. Fantastic. Right. We will leave it there. Um, thank you so much, James, Oscar, Simon and Carl uh, for giving your insights. I'm sure it will help a lot of people. Um, and likewise, we'll, we'll put some documentation together to send out to people just to, um, to show what's been said. Thank you, everyone. Right. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.